rising on an emerging generation of kings. Genesis 22, let me run from verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Somebody say testing, testing. And said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. If his name was Will, that said, Will I am. <laughs> then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isiaka, the Yoruba version, Isaac, the Bible version, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose where? early. Look, your neighbor said, rise early this year. Rise early this year. Can you believe that eight days have already gone by? How many of you can believe that? I posted something last week that the 1st of January is officially the shortest day of the year. You wake up and then you sleep and the 2nd of January. And some of you, it's already the 8th of January and you can't even actually see anything that you've done with your life this year. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up, wake up. Tell the person, collect your money, collect your money. And offer him there as a burnt offering one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the, young, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Verse 5 is very key. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, my father. <laughs> my daddy, my daddy. Your only son is wondering. I've seen the fire and the wood, but where is the offering? He said, here I am, son, my son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Can you believe it? I don't believe it. A whole human being about to be roasted like suya. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Please notice there are three here I am's in this passage. The first here I am is in verse 1 when God called to Abraham and Abraham said, 
here I am. And then his son asked him in verse 7, my father, and he said, here I am. And in verse 11, the angel of the Lord calls him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So Abraham said, here I am. Please somebody raise up your right hand and shout, God, here I am. Shout aloud and say, here I am. I'm going to apply this in different ways, but let's say a quick prayer. Father, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom poured upon our hearts. We are determined to start this year with distinction, to start this year from a place of consecration, and not only to start the year, but to navigate the rest of this year under the tutelage of your Holy Spirit, to be so immersed and submerged in you that our lives will be the material evidence of consecration, alignment, obedience, which then leads to transformation and the manifestation of your glory and your greatness in all that we do. So Lord, teach us for there are many things we don't know. Help us, for there are many areas in which we're still weak. Strengthen us, for there are many times we still get discouraged. And perfect us, for there are many areas in which we're still lacking. Thank you that today will not just be a time of instruction, to be a time of impartation, activation, and definition for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we have prayed. How many of you went to primary school, you went to primary school or some kind of foundational teaching regime or environment and you know what they will do when the teacher comes and says, Busayo Daodu, what will you say? Johnny Salade, what do you say? Solomon Ayadele, what they say? Oh, well, President, oh, well, I wrote to me, what would they say? So you say present when there is a call. Worship starts with your resolve to be present when God calls. In this text, we see the very first time the word worship is used. And in that passage, we see Abraham saying present three times. Here I am. Many of us, we are falling prey to distractions because distraction is one of the biggest enemies of worship. Whether it's public congregational worship or private devotion. Have you ever resolved in your mind that I will open my Bible today and I will read the Bible? But the moment you open your version, you couldn't find the version, you only found you. You saw notification, dun, 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 dun. So let me just click and see who's sending the message. And by the time you responded to that, you had sent yourself outside of the message God was sending your way. If I'm not the only one who falls into that every now and again, can you say, uh, the Lord is helping me? How many times have you decided I will finish reading my Bible today? A whole chapter. But you now found yourself, by the time you get to the third line, you were thinking about that fine bubble you saw on the bus the day before with pink lips. And even though it does not live on broad street, he had a broad chest. Mmm, can I talk right now? Some like, oh, well, I don't like them with broad chests. I like them with narrow waists. <laughs> because all I want is, look at your neighbors and mm. look at your other neighbors. Say the way you're looking. I'm going to be suspecting you soon. 
for some of us that has nothing to do with you know physical beings and stuff we just have these daydreams in our lives and in our minds where we navigate and we travel and our thoughts into a place that does not exist we create planets in our own thinking we imagine things that have not even happened before and before you know it you're still reading, the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my the Lord is the Lord Lord the 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 mm. The worshiper must have a here I am disposition. God does not want the better version of you. God wants you so he can make you better. God is not looking for a superior version of you. The superior versions of you are hidden in layers of revelation. But will you be present enough to present yourself? Paul teaches us in the New Testament, he said, your reasonable worship is about what you present in the presence. He says, brethren, I beseech you by the message of God that you present what? Your body's a living sacrifice. Don't be living the sacrifice. Be living as a sacrifice. Are you getting that? Don't be the person living the sacrifice. Live your life as a sacrifice. God wants us to live sacrificially. But it says, don't just live sacrificially. Present yourself. Present your body. Present your mind. When your mind is strained and going to Japan, Indonesia, even though you live in Yanobaja. God said, I'm not looking for your shout when you get to Indonesia. I'm looking for your shout when you're leaving in the face me. I slap your apartment and the cockerel is mocking you. Somebody say present, sir. You'll be surprised that even in the service, some people are physically here, but their minds are going in different directions. Even as we speak, somebody's thinking about hot jollof rice. Somebody say, here I am. And someone will say, God, if you do this for me, I will do better. What you are saying to God is, there I will be. God says, I, I don't do will be. I do I am. When God introduces himself to Moses, said, when they say, who sent you? Say what? I am. I am. So God is a God of here I am. In the mess, here I am. In the distraction, I'm still with you in the middle of it. In the disappointment, the money that got lost, the money that got missing, the money that I'm trying to make up, that's a prophetic word for you. God says, here I am. If you can say, here I am, you'll discover that he has been there before you came there. Because in the text, he said, go to a mountain that I will show you. In other words, the mountaintops you're looking for in life, God already knows them. But God doesn't stop you from the mountaintop. He wants you to be present now, here and now. And we see that Abraham doesn't just say, here I am, when he gets to the mountaintop. He says, here I am in three places. The first place, he said, here I am, when God was speaking to him in his house, in his comfort zone. <laughs> Come on now. The first place to be present is right where you are. Whether it's comfort or discomfort, God wants you to know that he's present in your presence. He uses the name Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is not God will be with us. Jesus is God with us. Oh, can I just encourage somebody right now who does not really feel God is with them. Maybe somebody who feels overwhelmed by life. Maybe you look online and see all your friends on the Forbes list and this person making the choice song list. John, this person was the most listened to artist in the last five years and they didn't call you to the show and they're wondering what's going on with you and you say maybe there's something wrong with my sound. Let me tell you something 
sound. There is nothing wrong with your sound. Somebody shout, here I am. I love that energy, but I wish it to be louder and stronger. God called Abraham and gives him the toughest instruction of his life. But Abraham didn't say, ah, me, I'm not there. Because for many of us, the moment God begins to deal with us in the different ways, we're like, God, I don't understand what's going on. God, when you become the God I'm used to, let me know. When you return to the God that I can be proud of, you know, some of us have become God assessors. You're like, God, you're not really performing well this time. I'll give you a D. Or you put God in the God's God talent show. God's God talent. Say, so no golden buzzer for you. It's a no for me. Now, nobody says that, but sometimes with our attitudes, when we don't approach God with the dignity and the reverence, and we have begun to make certain decisions without involving God, because we don't know what he's going to say this time around. Oh, come on now. If you can say amen, say yeah. Shout, here I am. He does not just say, here I am, when he's at home, but when he's on the journey. And he's in the conduits, in the passageway. He said, here I am. Some of us are at home or in pain, but others are on the journey. In other words, if you had asked Isaac and Abraham, where exactly are you here? They might not have been able to tell you the address of the place they were traveling in. Because God says, I'm taking you to one of the mountains of Moriah, where I will show you. So sometimes on the journey, you don't have the coordinates. But if you have the God, you will arrive in good shape. For those who are clapping, please clap very well. For some who are traveling later this year, you're going abroad or you're going even to the hinterlands. You know, when people are telling you I'm traveling out of Lagos, don't assume they're going abroad. Some people are going back to and it's not necessarily a bad thing because some people need to go back and go and reclaim their family inheritance whilst they are struggling to pay for a face may I slap your apartment in Lagos some people have acres of land in their family name and that's what God is going to use as a food basket to export productivity to the nations I know somebody who made a million dollars trading goods from Undo states within about an 18 to 24 month period your wealth is not where everybody is. Yeah. Your wealth is where God tells you it is. Yeah. That's the word for somebody inside this message. So you are busy hustling with people that you should be employing. Yeah. Oh, the amen sounds like you need help. Somebody shout, here I am! Yeah. But it doesn't just say, here I am when it's on the journey. He says, here I am when it gets to the mountaintop. So whether I'm in the valley, or I'm on the way, or I've arrived, I will always say to God, here I am. What it means is, whilst I'm trying to put money together for my house rent, I'm here to worship. Whilst I've gotten a job, but it's not yet jobbing the way I want it to be jobbing, I will still say, here I am. And when I make millions of dollars, I will still say, here I am. Where are those who are committing to saying, here I am, wherever you are. When you get the Grammy, here I am. When you get the Oscars, here I am. When you win the AMVCA, here I am. When you win this one or that one, here I am. When you are sent to go and stand kings on the moon. Here I am. 
here I am. Home and look for two people. Tell them, are you really here? Or are you here for now? Do you know what some people do when it comes to worship? They say, here I am for now. In other words, God, you're an option. Depending on how you perform. So if you perform well, I will stay. If you don't perform well, I will explore other options. But God says, I'm not an option. I'm too big to be an option. I'm your beginning. I'm your ending. I'm your alpha. I'm your omega. I am your head. I am your life. I am your light. I am your inspiration. I am your wisdom. I'm the litter up of your head. I'm your glory. I'm your counselor. I'm your peace. I'm your shield. I'm your shelter. I'm your provider, your protector, your provider. I don't know who exactly I'm speaking to, but some of you look like you're uninterested in the God that I'm talking to you about. There is somebody under the side of my voice who is moving. You're offering that worship out of pain and out of tears and out of desperation. But God says that is exactly what I want from you. Somebody say here I am. Now please understand, but seated, understand that what God tells Abraham to do is not God didn't say Abraham give me your chewing gum or give me your next meal or give me your meat. He didn't say, Abraham, give me your slice of bread. Because for some of us, even if somebody wants to take a slice of bread from us or a spoon from our jollof fries, where we become very defensive, blood pressure goes high. It's just meat. Look at anybody say it's just meat. So it's like, Pastor, it's not just meat. There's meat and there's meat. You know that sometimes you're eating and you keep that choice part. That's soft. That's a bit of fat, just a little bit. The soft one that is your crown jewel, the crown jewel of the kingdom of your meal. <laughs> You're just like, nobody should come close to this. God was not asking Abraham for food that they can eat and finish and cook again the next day. God was not asking Abraham for a plot of land or a parcel of land that you know what, he can conquer other people and then get the land back. God was not asking Abraham, oh, you know what, can you shave your head and cut your beard and look weird for a couple of weeks or months at best and then you return. God was asking for a whole human being. Oh, come, can we talk now? Oh, if you feel this, respond like you feel it. A whole human being. Human. Humongous being. Now, it's bad enough that asking for a human being is just a human being. It's a human being you've waited for for 25 years. Because Abraham received the promise at the age of 75, finally has the baby at the age of 100. There are people who understand my voice who are not yet 25. And most people on the sound of my voice are just a few years over 25. There are not many of us who are up to 10 years above 25 inside this room. So imagine your whole life that you have lived, not as the one to be sacrificed. That's a different, we'll come to that. But as the one offering the sacrifice. So think about something you've nursed all your life. Waited for all your life. Dreamed about all your life. And then God says... Give me that. This one believer say, excuse me, sir, network is not clear. Transmission, transmission. It seems there's interruption. Anyway, you say? But let's think about it. Let's think about it. Because I want to talk about worship. Worship is not about my convenience. 
Worship is about his pleasure. And many times his pleasure will provide in my life seasons of inconvenience. Oh, can we talk now? Our generation, many of us are spoiled because we're used to convenience. So let me ask you a question. How many of us in this place would have stayed in Kings? Maybe we would have come, but how many would have stayed in Kings if we had wooden benches? The floor was dirty and maybe not dirty, just made out of sand, broken cement, no AC, open windows. As you shout hallelujah, you're there, 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 outside. You know, most people in this generation will not even wait to check if God is there. They will allow the language of discomfort talk them out of their destiny. Because many of us have reduced the size of our God to the state of our comfort. So we tend to see the veracity of God through the lenses of our preference. What that means is the moment it looks like the things in our lives are no longer convenient, we either conclude that God is not with us or that God is not as good as he claims he is. Oh, come on, talk to me now. Check this out. Abraham, and God specifies in verse 2, he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. So don't think it's Ishmael. Because Ishmael, he didn't wait for Ishmael. He just went to Hagar, next thing, boom, 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 transaction. Pow, boom, boom, pow. Pow, pow. Come on now. Send another one. Oh. That one is easy. Because that one has even caused trouble between you and your wife. You know there are some seeds that are already easy. So for example, you have a car that's already giving you problems. Then you feel led to sow the car. Oh, can we talk now? Yeah. It's easy now. Yeah. You have used the spirit of the car till it's become a ghost. But imagine your China car that you saved up for for three years you had said to yourself the moment i'm able to put like a few millions together this is the car i'm going to buy and then you buy this car you see the difference not a car car you're coming now you know a car <laughs> you buy the car and then god said my daughter my daughter <laughs> <laughs> Pardon? A day after it was bought. It's a kind of remote cab, press push button. The AC is responsible. Is <laughs> that what? I rebuke you. But you see, the thing is, worshippers get to know the voice of the one they worship. And the problem with many of us is that we've not trained, or the challenge I should say, we haven't trained ourselves in the discipline of worship. We have trained ourselves in the discipline of worshiping ourselves. So we are quick to detect the voice of self. 
Because that's the voice we bow to. Now, what is worship? Worship in the Hebrew, one of the words is called shaka. Somebody say shaka. Shakabula. It's shaka, right? Shaka means to intentionally lower yourself or reduce yourself under the weight of somebody's importance. That's what worship is. So worship is not coercion or manipulation. It's not about somebody getting your space and saying you must, you know, it's about willful submission. So here's my own definition of worship. Worship is the willing and conscious recognition and celebration, the willing and conscious, some of you are not writing, I know you're not writing, willing and conscious recognition and celebration of the abilities and attributes of a being or a thing you consider superior. Okay, it's on the screen so somebody can take the picture. Okay, let's read it together from the screen. Worship is the wealth. I want you to please read it with more intentionality and don't read it as if you're being coerced or manipulated. Read it as if you're absorbing, learning, and growing. Let's go. So in worship, you're acknowledging the weight, the glory, the virtue, the excellence, the beauty, the magnificence, the superiority, the strength, the capacity, the authenticity, the veracity, the intensity of the being or the thing you're worshiping. What this means is that many of us, we are used to worshiping things and people and we at best present to God acts of worship. Now there's a difference between acts of worship and a life of worship. The believer was not called to give acts of worship. The believer was called to live a life of worship. Now that life of worship is marked by seasons of acts of worship. But acts of worship do not replace the life of worship. What that means is when we come together at the gathering every Sunday, this is an act of worship. When you give your offerings in a couple of minutes, that's an act of worship. When you were singing earlier, that was an act of worship. When you commune with other saints, that's an act of worship. But when you leave this place, God says, I don't just want you with acts of worship. I want you to have the life of worship. So when you leave this place and there's no keyboard and there's no organ, remember there was no keyboard in the Garden of Eden, but Adam was worshiping. So one of the major aspects of worship, we're going to look at a couple of things, but let's look at John chapter 4 from verse 23. John 4, 23. What is God looking for? What's God looking for? Help us, media. Let me read it for time's sake. It says, the Father is seeking. Who is the Father seeking? But the hour is coming. And now is when the do you know the one you respond intentionally as an act of worship? Are you aware? 
Let me show you this. Do you know if you shout about a celebrity more than you shout about Jesus? You are worshiping the, I hope you know that. Do you know if you market your business more than you tell people about your church, you're worshiping your business? People don't know that. Because it's about importance, attributes, weight. That's what it is. So let's read this. But the hour, hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father is such to worship him. For the Father is. Can I ask you a question? Do you seek something that is available in abundant proportions? Let me ask you, can you seek chairs inside this room? Do you need to seek chairs? Why? Do you need to seek humans in this room? Why? Do you need to seek hanging flowers, garlands in this room? Why? Do you need to seek this microphone? Why? It's available. So if God has to seek those who are going to worship in spirit and in truth, what does that mean? True worshipers are scarce. Yes, God help us. But God, almost every Nigerian believer goes to church at least once or twice a month. Almost everyone. But God said many of them are gathering, but they are not worshiping. Oh, can we talk now? Because if they were worshiping, the evidence in their lives would be the fruit I produce through them. Said so the father is seeking. God is not looking for a preacher. He's looking for worshipers. He will give a message to preach. God is not looking for a giver. He's looking for people who will worship him with what they give. God is not looking for singers. He's looking for worshipers who will use their voices to magnify his attributes and his abilities. God is not looking for business people who will succeed. He's looking for worshipers who will express his glory through their businesses. God is not looking for first class students. He's looking for worshipers who will show the brilliance and intelligence of God with their first class degree. I wish I could preach to somebody right now, but some of you look like you're not the worshippers the Father is seeking. But Lord, can you just give me one person who is responsive? Because worship is active. Worship is not passive. Worship is active. And so the first thing you've got to see is that God is not looking for a worship segment in his service. Worship is not a segment we used to fill up the time when we're waiting for the preacher. Worship is the ultimate responsibility of our lives. Lord, stir up in us the heart of worship. Lord, stir up in this house the desire, the affection, the passion, the consecration and dedication to worship. Somebody say, here I am. Can I propose to you that a lot of the singing many of us do is not worship? Let me tell you this. If you come to the house, the garden of believers, and you're like me, I just come for the word. You have come as a selfish person who is hoping for a solution in a message to continue to solve their own problems and advance their own lives. Worship must be priority because in worship, the focus is not on your needs. The focus is on what God is seeking for. Oh, can we talk now? 
Does worship open us up to receive more? Yes. Does he open us to be more receptive? Yes. But that's not the purpose of the worship. The worship is about him. It's about his glory. It's about his essence. The Bible says the four and twenty elders, they continually take off their own crowns and they cast it before him. They are not looking for husbands. They're not looking for wives. They're not looking to pay their rent. They're not looking for bentleys. They're not looking for degrees. But in that ultimate place of the glory and the greatness of God, they take their own crowns, which is the height of their own glory, and they place it on the floor. And they say, God, this is all about you. That all the elements are saying, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of your glory. If you're on the mainland and you're a worshiper, if you're watching online and you're a worshiper, throw up your hands and shout, here I am to worship. I'm not sure you're really ready to worship in 2023. You look like you're looking for your own needs and your own greed and your own seed. But if there's anybody here who's ready to lay prostrate before God and say, God, it's not about me. It's all about you. If you want Isaac, I'll give him up. If you want my money, I'll give it up. If you want my reputation, I'll put it on the line. God, it is about you. So that's what God is seeking. Books, if the worshippers were replete, God would not be seeking for them. That means the gatherers are many, but the worshippers are few. The singers are many, but the worshippers are few. The celebrity groupies are many, but the worshipers are few. Because sometimes the reason people are listening to certain songs is not because they love the one they sing about, but because they love the voice of the singer. Okay, we'll talk now. And sometimes what we're really worshiping are all the chords that are being played and the riffs and the runs that are being delivered and the dexterity of the music. And you have to be careful, especially for the musicians and singers and those who have a theme for music, that somebody don't get absorbed in the cadence and the tempo and the syncopation. They are no longer enmeshed in internal communion with your father. Oh, can we talk now? I didn't ask you to clap, but if you're clapping, do it with Jesus' joy and do it as an act of worship. So what are the three things that must be present? Number one, spirits. Three things. If you're going to worship the way God intends, the first thing is spirit. You must worship God. So number one is spirituality. Jesus says that the kind of worship that registers with the Father is not how sonorous the voice is or how competent the musicians are or how sophisticated the equipment are or how nice the ambience of the church is. He said the first thing is that they that worship must. Somebody say must. Please say louder, say must. He said they must. It's not an option. The way to worship is the way of the Spirit. The way to worship is not the way of the senses. It's not the way of sensuality, it's the way of spirituality. What are the senses? What I see, what I hear, what I feel, what I taste, what I touch. Those are the senses. That means that my worship is not about me feeling like worshiping. He's saying that kind of worship is sensual worship, it's not spiritual worship. Spiritual worship is my stomach is turning me, but I'm turning myself in praise to God. Spiritual worship is I still feel the headache, but I'm going to worship my head with whom there's no ache. I'm going to worship the Christ as my head, my capital. Spiritual worship is God, I'm still trusting you for a couple of things, but it's you I'm trusting, not the things. So the absence of those things won't take me away from the presence of you. That's 
spiritual worship is not about I feel good. I feel good. So as men as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He didn't say as men as are led by their own senses, their own feelings. Do you know how many believers don't come to the garden of saints because they didn't feel like? It's amazing with all the feeling, 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 and feeling, feeling, and feeling, and feeling, and feeling. They're not even filament enough to light up the world. Mainland, are you all right? Can you shout hallelujah? Can you make it loud and strong? Shout, I'm not led by my feelings. I'm led by my faith. I'm not led by my senses. I'm led by the spirit. So how does this play out? You want to worship God. You're spending time in worship and your body is acting somehow. You talk to your body. Like David said in Psalm 42. Why thou downcast, O oh my soul? <laughs> Why are you disquieted within me? He said, trust thou in the Lord. He says, the hope of your salvation. You play some anointed music, or sometimes you don't even play the music at all. You start using your own words. What I say worship was? The willful and conscious what? Recognition. So when we're worshiping together and your mind is drifting, you're not conscious. So that's not worship. Are you here? If someone says, oh yeah, everybody worship, people are not worshiping, worship, worship, all of you people, are you not grateful, are you not grateful? That's not willful. Of course, sometimes those things can be said to trigger you, but that's not what you can ride on because worship is willful. Jesus was not, was not murdered on the cross. He gave up his own life. So even though to the world it was murder, he said, you can't even kill me. I'm unkillable except I choose to be killed. Because it's the willfulness of my surrender that makes it a sacrifice. Oh, come on now. If a thief steals somebody's phone at Costain, the person did not sacrifice their phone. Do you understand? So what happened to your phone? I sacrificed it. <laughs> to who? To a priest. <laughs> priest of the underworld. That's a loss, right? If your time is devoured by the devourer, that's not worship. But if you know that this time I could use it to make money in my business, I could use this time to rest on Sunday morning, I could use this time to negotiate and to haggle, but I'm using this time to pray, that's worship. But it has to be led by the Spirit. Now, not only are you not being led by your flesh, you are also being led by the word of God. So the way to worship effectively is that you take the word of God. Come on now. The willful and conscious what? Recognition and celebration. So shout some of the attributes of God. God is kind. So you stay on kind as a word. How many of you can stay there for 10 minutes? Because you're so kind. I didn't even expect that cup that early, but it came. God, you're so kind. I made a dumb mistake as a teenager, but I didn't damage my womb. God, you're so kind. Oh, that, that silly girl walked into my life and they were taking all my money, but you restored it. God, you're so kind. That customer was going to destroy my business, but you brought me through. God, you're so... Come on. God, you're so kind. You stay there. You're not just saying, Heavenly Father, you're good, you're kind, meaningless words. 
Are you hearing that? What gives words their meanings are the consciousness or is the consciousness of the person speaking them. Anybody can say I'm a kind person. Have you noticed everybody that died it was a good man? How many of you have been to a funeral before and said this man was such an idiot? Crazy guy. Nobody says that. At least most people don't say it in public. So words in and of themselves should be filled with the word of God. Say God is merciful. Then you start thinking about the attributes of his mercy. Rosamund, I hope you're typing what I'm saying. The attributes of his mercy. The times that you got on somebody who gave you a lift whose name you don't know. All because you're looking for a drop. Thank God they didn't drop you on Third Midland Bridge. God, you're merciful. All of a sudden, your mind is being engaged. You know, just widen the way time. Because for some of us, what's happening is our prayer lives are technically dead. Heavenly Father, eternal Lord of glory, eternal rock of ages, the I am that I am, the great and mighty God. You are so using all those words that made more sense to Old Testament people when you say eternal rock of ages, it made sense to them. Many of you have never climbed on a rock. So when you say rock of ages, you need extra work to understand what the rock means. I get it. I'm not saying don't say that. I'm saying think about what you're saying. What was a rock for? It was what they stood on to give them an advantage against their enemies. It was what they hid in Abel Kuta under the rock. So I say, God, rock of ages, say, in you I hide. You're my fortress. You're impenetrable. When there are hailstorms and hailstones, you keep me solidly hidden. Are you getting this? You're my vantage point. I can never be disadvantaged no matter what the news says because you are my rock. That's spirituality. Spirituality is not shout Jesus seven times. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Many of those things without consciousness and faith is pure idolatry. Can we talk now? <laughs> Worship. How do I know Abraham was operating spiritually? Hebrews 11, Kuba, the word says to us in verse 17, by faith, we know that Abraham, by faith, Jesus says, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith comes by hearing and, Romans 10, 17, hearing by the word of God. So God spoke to Abraham. He believed God. He had the response of faith. So it was a pure spiritual thing. Abraham did not engage God or reduce God to the level of facts. Uh -huh. So you want me to kill my son, my only son, no problem. When do you want me to kill him? What day exactly? Which kind of knife should I use? The land of Moriah, what are the coordinates? God said, I will show you. So if my worship is conditioned on my intellect, I am worshiping my mind. Oh, come on now. You all want to send me back to the mainland because the mainlanders are responding better than this. See, they're not. Let me, who said they want me here? That's the person I want. Let me, that's the person I want to be preaching to. Preaching to. Stop reducing your worship to the level of faith and facts and feelings. 
elevate yourself to the level of the Spirit. He said, therefore, set your minds on things that are above where Christ is. For you are dead and your life is eating with Christ and God. Set your affections, your desires, spirituality. Many of our worship meetings are very sensual. By sensual, I don't mean seductive. I mean they are filled by feelings, by flesh. And so we are able to pack out meetings and environments, not just because people are looking to worship God, but because their favorite worship leader will be there. And for some people are so addicted to their favorite worship leaders, they do not feel God, except it's their favorite worship leader singing. Oh, can we talk now? Me, if it's not maverick music, the Holy Spirit doesn't move in my life. Are you all right? Right? See, that's an honest person. Some of you are like, no, but you see, I don't feel good except to say, sumisola, sumisola. And so you become addicted to voices than being addicted to his presence. Do you know the psalmist, they didn't have this assemblage of different equipments. They had no keyboard. They had string instruments. That's a lot of what they had. Rabbi didn't have all these keyboards and this electronic drums and electronic mixers and stuff like that. But they offered worship. Somebody say, I will worship. Regardless of my feelings. Regardless of my emotions. Regardless of my sensitivities. I choose to be more sensitive to the spirit of God than the feelings of my flesh. In the name of Jesus. The second factor we see here. So God spoke to Abram and it began to respond. Abram did not wait for corroboration with his wife. God said, offer your son, only son and all of that. Do you know that Abram was not the only person that produced the child? He did not consult his wife. (laughs) At least the Bible doesn't tell us he did that. Because chances are that if he did that, you ain't going nowhere. You kill him, I kill you. (laughs) Sacrifice. Can I propose to you? Spiritual worship is also worship that does not make sense to people who are not spiritual. And some of your spiritual worship will not make sense to some people who are spiritual, but they've not joined with God the way you have. Because when the woman with the alabaster box took the box of oil and broke it and poured it at the feet of Jesus, using a well-made Brazilian hair in Jerusalem hair to wash the feet of Jesus, even one of the disciples was like, how can she do the sea? Your worship needs to enter into a level this year where it irritates people who are carnal. There's got to be something about you that makes them say, why are you so devoted? Why are you so separated? Why are you so consecrated? Why are you so disciplined? Why do you fast every week? Why do you give so much? Why don't you miss a church service? Why are you always gathering with the kings? There's got to be something about you and about your heart that is so sold out to God. Who am I talking to? That does not make sense to people who have not joined with God like you. Lord, let there be a stirring and a revival in this house where people will begin to worship in a way that does not make sense to cut out people. Somebody shout, here I am to worship. 
How many go to seven people? Tell them it may not make sense to you, but it makes faith in me. It may not make sense to you, your body, your mind, your attention, your history. It might not make sense to you when blind Bartimaeus raises his voice, but it makes sense to him. It might not make sense to you. Now somebody give God praise that does not make sense to ordinary people. That still makes some sense. Some of you are so, so self-conscious. Mainland, can you raise your voice and teach them on the island how to shout? If you're on the island, shout. It's still making sense. Some of you are not even carrying no chairs yet. Some of you are not even running around yet. Some of you are not even hollering yet. There's God of a spiritual praise and worship. When David danced before the Lord, he danced so much, he did not make sense. The reason it does not make sense to you is that you are sensual and I'm spiritual. I'm not in the plane of sense. I'm in the plane of the spirit. I'm not led by my feelings. I'm led by the spirit. So when I praise in a way that does not make sense, as long as, as it gives God pleasure, I'll still praise him. I'll still praise him. I'll still praise him. There's still pain in my body, but I'll worship. I'm still expecting the promotion, but I'll worship. I'm still trusting God for the increase, but I'll worship. I still look distracted sometimes, but I'll worship. I still have some feelings in me that take me to the past, but I'll worship. I'll worship. He said the father is not seeking for singers. He is seeking worshipers who will worship how? In spirit and in? Please understand, he's not just talking about emotionalism. Because being excited without the knowledge of the truth is emotionalism. Sensationalism. Pure worship is rooted on your recognition and the celebration of the character of God. Are we here? For time's sake, number two. He said it must, it must, it must, it must be in spirit and in truth. So number two is separation. Separation. Quality worship must be worship that requires separation and leads to separation. I must separate myself. The Bible says that Jesus, as his custom was, separated himself. So true worship is a separator. <laughs> God spoke to Moses three times. He said, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Exodus 7 verse 16 let them go that they may go to worship me. Exodus 8 verse 1 tell Pharaoh let my people go that they may worship me. Exodus 9 verse 13 tell Pharaoh that they may go to worship me. In other words as long as they are bound and they are connected to all those burdens and cares and captivity they will not be effective in worshiping me so they need to separate themselves. David said in Psalm 119 verse 164 he says seven times a day do I praise you I separate myself how many of you know for the things that are very important to you you don't do it everywhere how many of you right now if you want to take a bath you start doing it right now inside this place you know that's like this 
So what do you do if you want to have a bath right now? What do you do? You separate yourself. Come on now. How many of you if you want to poop? You're going to do it right where you are. How many of you want to fart? You do it right where you are. Of course. <laughs> they said that one does not require separation. I can donate it and bring everybody pleasure. Please, if you need to set an alarm clock for a five minute shout of praise, do it. Because for the things that are important to you, set an alarm. To get the visa to Canada or UK or US, you set that alarm. Are you there? So remember to drink water or take your pills when the doctor said three tablets twice a day. Some of you set an alarm. Worship is more important than medication. Do you know that one of the great words for worship is therapia, which is the root word for therapy, which means that worship has medicinal effects, not only for the body, but for the mind and for the soul. That the same way people go to a therapist, you go to your counselor, your doctor, your therapist, the son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden your burdens and nowhere to be found is that casting all your cares upon him. Why? He cares for you. Separate yourself. The Bible says that when the child had died, David, he separated himself. He went and then he gave God praise over a dead child. Some of you, the reason the pain of that death in your life has not lost its grip on you is that you have not worshipped God into your healing. Into the manifestation of your healing. You have your healing in God, but it has not manifested in your mind because you are carrying the weight of the death instead of just pouring out the tears in worship. There are some chapters in your life that have been closed. As far as God is concerned, he has already promoted you, but you are still stuck in those places because you're not worshiping. Look at your neighbor. Say, could it be possible that God is talking about you right now? Where is this in the text? Can you give us Genesis 22 from verse 4? Give us in the text. Help us. Genesis 22 verse 4. See what the word says. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. So you know, when we read the story, we think that God just said to Abraham, what's your name, ma'am? Oi, 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 oh my gosh. Right, you look like honey. Are you someone's honey? Oh, someone's honey. Do you have a comb? Because I'll make you a honeycomb. <laughs> I can go deeper, but let me leave it. Now, when we read that text, you know, most people just think like this that Abraham just got up. Oh, yeah, I carry the boy. Oh, yeah, where's Mariah? Here. Three meters down the place. No, he had to travel for three days, possibly more, because on the third day, he lifted his eyes and the place was still afar off. Because worship is more than an event, it's a journey. And it's a journey that requires separation. And for many of us, the separation, the worship requires separation from our past and separation from our comfort zone, separation from the familiar. But for more of 
us as we mature in God, it's separation from ourselves and our previous levels of intimacy with God. <laughs> because we have become used to how God speaks and how God works. And so our walk with God has become boring because it's predictable. We can almost tell what God is going to say next and what he's going to do next. We have kept him in the box. It's become idolatry. Three days! He was not yet there, but it was nowhere he used to be. I wish somebody would just give God a thanks or a shout of thanksgiving. That I'm not yet as hot as I want to be, but I've not missed Sunday morning gatherings. Or I've been keeping up with my Bible study, responding to the Holy Spirit, being yielded to his instruction. I still sleep once in a while. I still miss the Mac every now and again, but I'm walking closer. And there is daily increase in my recognition of the hand of God. Yes, that's a howl of somebody who understands the worship journey. The worship journey. I'm not yet there, but I'm on my way. I'm not yet there, but I'm on my way. I missed my U version twice last week, but I'm on my way. I missed my Bible in one year last year, but I'm on my way. I didn't give an offering on crossover night, but I'm on my way. I'm getting better. I'm joining with God. I'm becoming more devoted. I'm becoming more yielded. I'm becoming more selfless. I'm on a journey. I'm progressing. I'm advancing. Separation. Said, so come out from amongst them and be separate. Please listen. You don't grow with God. You don't grow with God by trying to stay with what's familiar. You grow with God and grow in God by responding to what he's saying, even if it doesn't make sense within the context of your previous experiences. Because guess what? The more Abraham took steps in the direction of God's leading, the farther away he was from everything that will compete with his worship. Many of you need to set 15 minutes. This one is God's time in a day. Preferably early in the morning. 30 minutes, for some of us, we can do up to an hour. 12 noon or 6 p.m. or 9 p.m. But separation is required. Separation. Jesus said, it's not about mountain, not worshiping on this mountain, that mountain. He said, they that worship, they must worship in a new location. That location is called Spirit's Estate. It's called Truth Avenue. It's called Glory Boulevard. It's called Love Lane. It's called Peace Place. It's in the place where I'm conscious. It's a place of consciousness by faith. Please understand that this separation helps me realize the worship is about worship. The purpose of worship, watch this, the purpose of worship is the pleasure of God. The purpose of worship is not the manipulation of God. I'm not worshiping so I can manipulate God. I'm not worshiping so that God can respond to me better. I'm worshiping because I realize that my life is because God is involved in it. I'm only alive because of his mercy, because of his grace and his goodness. I'm not using my worship and my praise and my thanksgiving as a way to hoodwink him into doing anything for me. So the purpose of worship is the pleasure of God. The power of my worship is in the sacrifice of self. Rooted in the sacrifice of his son. That's the power of my worship.
And the produce of worship is the transformation of me into the likeness of the son that he gave up for me. And so the third thing in my worship is not just my spirituality and it's not just my separation, it's in my sacrifice. The purpose of my worship is the pleasure of God. The power of my worship and the sacrifice of my son based on the sacrifice of his son. And the produce of worship is the transformation of my life to the fullness of his glory. Sacrifice. The third theme for worship is sacrifice. 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 Please understand this. I don't have enough time to explain this. But in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, when Jesus refused to bow, you know, Lucifer said, uh, the devil said, yeah, just bow and I'll give you all those things. Right? Do you remember? All the kings of the world. Jesus said, no. <laughs> Thou shalt worship the Lord your God only and him alone shall you serve. So Jesus was saying that God's service is superior to my status. Satan was promised a status upgrade. Jesus said, I don't want to be upgraded out of serving God. Oh my word. Some of you, you get jobs that will seemingly upgrade your status and God will say no. That's an act of worship. Some of you have environments. You have opportunities to travel abroad and God will say no. It's not foolishness, it's an act of some of you have put money together to go and buy a car. God says, go and give it. It's not foolishness. It's an act of... Because most of us just say, ah, no, how can I worship the devil? Mm-mm. Get what is behind it. What is behind it is the devil has given Jesus a chance to upgrade his status. There's somebody in Kings. The person had an opportunity to marry somebody she knew she was not supposed to marry. And that person that Shanisha was not supposed to marry, had gone as far as lavishing away gifts. I think the last uh, offer was buying out a car. And at that time, in that person's life, a car was a big deal. She didn't even have an enemies of buying the car, but she knew that she didn't do it. And I was so proud of her. Said I said no to the guy's car. and said, no, I can't do this. Guys, it may seem easy until you are the one involved. Some people will collect the car and not marry the guy. And they will, they will bring untold complications to their lives over here. Can I show you something? Jesus said, no, I'm not going to upgrade my status and not worship God. And that tells me something. Not every elevation in your life is from God. Because if that was from God, Jesus won't reject it. Do you know he also said to him, Turn the stones to bread. I'm about to close. Turn the stones to bread. Do you know what the devil was telling Jesus? Manipulate things out of the form in which God made them to suit the form that will gratify you. That's what people are doing when they do the transgender thing. Jesus was saying, the form in which God created it 
is superior to the form in which I think I need it. So I'm not going to manipulate what God has done to suit my needs. That's reducing the glory of God in creation to the level of my personal gratification. So every temptation that Jesus said no to was an expression of worship. Every temptation you overcome in your life is an extension of worship. Worship is not only when we sing. Worship is also when we don't sin. Because then I'm manifesting, recognizing, and celebrating in my body the attributes and the abilities of God. The attributes of God because God is holy. The ability of God because God in me is able to work out His holiness in spite of my temptation. So when I say no to self, I am literally offering myself as a burnt offering. Do you get it? These are the three major components of your worship. And all of this must be done consciously and willingly. Consciously and willingly. It's the willing and conscious. Willful could have a misleading um, connotation. The willing and conscious. Are you here now? Which ways do you worship? We're gonna stand now and and just practice. In what ways do you worship? I won't teach this, but if you want the scripture for it, I'll give it to you. Write down so that you can study later. Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Write it down. Five ways in which you worship, or practical ways in which you can worship. Number one, surrender and submission. Do you know that when you have something you really want to do? Something you really, really want to do. For example, maybe you want to travel abroad. You really want to do it. Or maybe you run buy a car, move into a place, or get married. Something you really, really want to do. And you just offer it to God and say, God, I really want this thing, but I'm sorry, I'm exposing it to you. Do you know that's an act of worship? You're saying, God, I know I have a brain. No, no, I don't know if you think. Well, your brain is bigger than mine. So have your way and have your say concerning this matter. You know what that means? I'm willing to pause my progress, in quotes, to get God's mind on it before I go too far. An act of worship. Number two, we can worship through speaking. Speaking of his goodness, of his kindness, of his mercy. So you can worship all day long, communion all day long. All day long. Major portions of my day are dedicated to just honoring God with my words, songs, sounds. Number three is singing and sounds. By singing and sounding. Sometimes you go, mm. People don't know what it means. What it means, ah, God is good. Don't forget, willing and conscious. So it is not some habitual, random, careless thing. Number four, sacrificial actions. Like Abraham. Sacrificial action. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. That's sacrificial. And when we go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, help us from verse 17. The final thing is sacrificial giving. There are some sacrifices you make that are not given, but there are sacrifices you make 
are not giving in to what the enemy wants for you. Do you get that? Some sacrifices you don't take, so sacrificial actions or inactions. So sometimes somebody has upset you so bad, you want to just go on a smear campaign, wash them down, destroy them, tear them down. You know all the sophisticated routes you can use in a corporate environment to terminate their possibilities two to three years from now. You know the kind of email exchange you can bait them into. And you just offer it to God. That's worship. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're about to say, Shege, Waka, Salawa, Beni. So you don't know who that is. Person that, I don't know, whether it's the creator or the, of the Waka genre. Right. I don't mean her name is the, it's a curse. Her name is not a curse. I'm just saying Waka. Yeah. You, that's what you want to say in your spirit. But as you're going like this, Lord, I give you glory. an act of worship. <laughs> it's an act of worship. Jesus on that cross was a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. If, he had, if it was not acceptable, you would not be saved. Because the reason you are accepted is because the sacrifice he was was accepted. You get that? things can take the picture board let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up did Abraham kill Isaac tell me did he kill him physically but Hebrews says that he had offered him up because as far as Abraham was concerned inside his heart he had already given it to God oh is somebody here there's a level you get to where in your heart God knows that Jade, I can count on Jade to give this thing. You need to have that place in your heart that God, whoever I'm going to get married to, even if it's a day before the wedding and you say no, it is no. Because others have gone ahead resisting this pull of the Holy Spirit and they have landed into trouble. And then that one year you didn't want to wait. You now have to spend three to four years reversing the consequences of that. Are you here? Don't forget, God knows Moriah more than you. He has gone ahead. Don't hurry past God. As far as it was, he had offered up Isaac and had said, he who had received the promises, that's Abraham, offered up his only begotten son. Why? Verse 18. Verse 18. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Here is the deal. Verse 19. Concluding that God was able. Somebody shout God is able. Somebody shout God is able. I wanted to shout it loud and say God is able. Concluding that God was able to. Isaac, even raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Let me explain what that means. What it means was, Rita, as far as Abraham was concerned, I've already killed Isaac in my mind. Abraham was not looking for a way for God to change his mind. Abraham was willing to show God completely that I'm completely sold out to you. 
that I will not hold back something you give me. You give me Isaac, so if you ask for it, I can give it back to you. Come on. You give me that job, so if you say resign, I can resign. You give me that car, so if you say give it up, I can give it up. You give me that relationship, if you're saying break up, Lord, I'm only a call away. Is there anybody who's ready to press into that? But it's not a random, don't forget, it's not coercion, it's not manipulation, go, go. Why was he able to do this? Because Abraham thought about it to the right. Then he thought about it to the left. Then he thought about it behind and in front. And he, and he, your conclusions will either accelerate your worship or hinder them. If you think time with God is wasted time, you will not spend time with God. But if you conclude that what I sow in time, I will reap in eternity. What I give up in the flesh, I will reap in the spirit. What I forfeit in terms of Naira and Kabbalah, I will receive in terms of favor and well-being. He said, God was able to raise him up. So Abraham concluded that even if I kill Isaac, God will resurrect him. First person recorded in the Bible who believed in resurrection. Why? He had a promise. What was the promise? In Isaac, the seed will come forth. So if God is taking Isaac, he's going to resurrect a bigger than Isaac. Are you here? He's going to raise up the same Isaac, but in a more glorious state. The principle is this. There is nothing you can give up for God that it will not return in a better state. Oh, I thought everybody would clap on that. Worship is not a waste of time. Worship is the fulfillment of the purpose of your life. The end point of every miracle in your life is worship. Everything you're trusting God for is supposed to lead you back to greater dimensions of Him. So why wait before you worship? Why not start from the end and work back to where you are? And then you see how light where you are really is. When you look at it from eternity. That's why Paul said this light afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the glory. <laughs> In other words, I've seen the glory. Therefore, I can go through the story the glory. He had seen. How do I know this? Do you know what it said? Go to verse 5. Go to verse 5. Not of Hebrews, of Genesis 22. Verse 5, Genesis 22. 5. Genesis 22, verse 5. All right. So we're waiting for verse 5. Let me read it. And Abraham said, Abraham said to his young men, to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and God said bring bond offering. God called it worship. 
anything you give up for God is not a waste. It's worship. God didn't tell Abraham, come and worship me. Do you know what makes it worship? What makes it worship is not the action. What makes it worship is the state of your heart. Because some people would have killed Isaac, but it was not worship. It was just obedience. Worship is obedience with alignment with the intention that God had, which is intimacy and communion. I'm giving this up for you, but I won't hate you for it. You know, there's a way some parents will sacrifice for their children, then they become bitter. Because you don't know what I did for you. You don't know what I give up for you. You don't know how long I stayed in the hospital for you. You don't know I didn't do my MSc because of you. I started drinking Hennessy because of you. I didn't go for NYC because of you. You see, you see? The computer. So they made a sacrifice, but it's tainted. Sometimes people also give to the work of God and the house of God, and then they become retributive and bitter and offended. He said, no, it's worship. And two things that must make the worship valid must be willing and conscious. Right? The lad and I will go yonder and why? Worship is a separator. Not everybody can join it with you into every part of your worship. And I said in first service that donkeys don't worship. And what I mean by donkeys, I'm speaking metaphorically. He said, do not be like the mule or the donkey that has no sense and must be forced with bridles before he turns on the way. So when Abraham is going to get to Moriah, he does not carry a donkey along. Look at your neighbor and say, don't carry donkeys along. Who are donkeys? The people who are so stubborn and so difficult that they can delay you in the press of what God is sending you to do. I will go yonder and worship. And read the last line. Read the last line. Read the last line. So Abraham was so sure of his God. The only God you can really be sure of is the one you worship regularly. Faith strengthens your worship. Worship feeds your faith. The more you deploy faith and worship, the more you worship God and faith. And the weaker your faith is, the weaker your worship will be. The weaker your worship is, the weaker your faith is. So you spend time on the Word of God, and then you engage the Word through those five things. Submission, surrender, speaking, singing, sounding, sacrificial actions or inactions, and sacrificial given. That's the way you strengthen it. Can you raise your hands and worship? Raise your hands and worship. Raise your hands and worship. Glorify your God and worship. Sabalanto Vrigadash. Bolanika Tovrali Sintabatush. Father, we glorify you. Say Nivrisko Tila Bulatis. Say, Lord, I'm yielded to worship. I'm yielded to worship. I'm yielded to worship. Lose myself in worship so I can find myself in you. So I can find myself in you. Give myself
on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this out.